This morning, if you, got your, if you have your Bibles, you go to the book of uh, um, Exodus, not Exodus, Genesis. I'm going to cut the message short this morning. I'm going to talk to you about a variety of things, but I'm going to make it more specific. In Genesis chapter 32, and, and I'll go into details in a minute, every one of us have this have an ability in our life to create a, a character mechanism about how, how we live. Some of us have different, uh, we allow it to grow in different proportions and different types of character. Some people can have character that's really bad. I'm going to try to make this analogy. If it makes sense, great. Hopefully you can see this. Every person in here can take a different shape. Some of us even have things that we hide on the inside that we cannot see through. But every one of us have character. But what matters is, is what we do with the character that we have. We have five, in, five in, uh, enclosures of water or five uh, vessels of water, and they all are different sizes, but they all are all full of something. They're all full of the water. I'm going to put some coloration in each of them just so you have something to look at. Well, maybe not that one. Maybe not this one. Wanda, you're going to have to get some new food coloring. Well, I'm going to stop here in a minute. Now that I've got a mess, didn't go quite as well as I thought. But listen, this represents absolutely every one of us. We have different things that we have evolved from, we've come from, we've come from a background of certain things. And different things make our life look a little different. But character is something that is in every one of us. It is either no character at all, like we see on the end, or we have, through the other ones, we have different colorations, different, and some of us, we can never see any color or any character in us because we don't let anybody see the things that's in us. But every one of us have something that we've done we've, we can be proud of, and some of us have things we have done we uh, are not so proud of. What have we become? What have we become? As I was studying and preparing all, all week as I've looked at this and, and prepared this, what are you known for? We're talking about leaving Egypt, and last week we talked about letting go, and, and, and that was a lot to do with my life, about things that I've shared with you about my personal failures as, as a father and as a man and, and as a husband and things, and, and it's not necessarily a, a pleasant thing to talk about, but it's true. And if we all got up here, we could share different things that we've done differently, that we would do differently. But what are you known for? To the common man, not the church folks. Because church folks, we're all kind of known for, for good things. 
But there's something about us, our character and about something that we represent in our character, how we deal with people, how we deal with money, how we deal with... Uh, Example I used to use several years ago. I knew a couple that was that was in church, and and they were known when they went to town to country. Whoever was working in town to country, that was praying. Don't let them come to my account. Don't let them come to my register. Don't let them come to my register. Let them go to so and so's register because they had such a bad experience. Their character here at church, everything looked great, but things changed radically when they walked out the door and began to deal with the public. That is a character problem. You may look a certain way here, and you may act a certain way here, but when you leave here, it shows the realness of who you are. And so what have we done? What is happening in my life? Be honest with you, most of us look like this right here. None of us can see on the inside. None of us can see, but every one of them are full, and every one of them are full of something. And I wonder about all of our lives. Are you known for your success? Are you known for your failures? Are you known for good looks? Are you known for your size? You known for your regrets? Or are you known for your character? Leaving Egypt and, and leaving the characteristics of our life in the past is, is very critical and it's very important that each of us know that, that we can leave certain characteristics of certain lifestyles and we go to something better. You may think, well, I don't know where to start. It starts, in, it starts everybody starts at the same place. We have, may have more baggage or things attached to us, but we start at the same place. Several years ago, I spoke a message over in another church in another building about picking at your scabs. And if you're a boy and you have scabs, you fall and you get hurt, you play sports, you have scabs, you're going to pick them. Gross, but it's true. And the more you pick them, the more of a scar will be left there and you can... Go back and visit it from time to time and reflect on, on what you've done to create that scar. From riding a bicycle when I was six years old or five, four years old uh, to uh, falling off a building and being in my leg back and kitten. My wife was there for that one. It was a bad, bad experience. There's little scars that always happen and always remind us of things in our past. And every one of us have to come to a place in our life that we say, I'm tired of the scars. It may be there, but it's just a reminder. It's not who I am. In the book of Genesis chapter 32, we read of a, of a man named Jacob. If you go with me to chapter 32, verse 22. Verse 22. Now, Jacob had been a conniver. He had been a manipulator. He had been a master of, dis, of, the, of disguises. He could betray himself as something so pleasant, so alluring. And in church, everybody thought he was the greatest guy ever because he's always willing to lend a helping hand. But the sad thing is, we didn't know him in church. We knew him outside of the church. Even his own brother was deceived royally by him. We know he came from a, a, a family that was dysfunctional. His, his mother loved him, and Jacob, and, and his father loved Esau. And so his whole life, there was constant struggles in, in his life and in, in the life of their whole home. It was so bad that he had to leave his uh, home and he had to move away to keep himself from being killed by Esau. So this is about where we're at. We're going to meet Esau. But something very unique happens in this event. In verse 22, during the night, Jacob rose and crossed the Jabbok River at the crossing, taking with him his two wives his two slave girls, and his 11 sons. He sent his family and everything he had across the river, so Jacob was alone. 
And a man wrestled with him until the sun came up. When the man saw that he could not defeat Jacob, he struck Jacob's hip and put it out of joint. Then he said to Jacob, let me go. The sun is coming up. But Jacob said, I will, not, I will let you go if you will bless me. Then the man said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but it will be Israel because you have wrestled with God and with his people, and you have won. Let me stop there because I want you to focus on something. Jacob had always had a problem with his life, and he wrestled with a lot of things, a lot of moral things, a lot of ethical things, but he usually fell short of accomplishing and overcoming things and becoming very moral and very ethical. He'd done things that were convenient. And when you live a lifestyle that everything is about convenience, your, your comfort level, your, your character level becomes very hidden or becomes very non-developed because you're always worried about what everybody sees. You want it to be good, but you don't work on the inside. Verse 29. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But the man said, why ask my name? Then he blessed Jacob there. And the name of that place is Peniel, saying, I've seen God face to face, but my life was saved. The sun rose as he was leaving that place, and Jacob was limping because of his leg. I want to stop. Jacob was limping. The limp cost him a lot of years. If he had got the limp when he was much earlier, had an encounter like he had much earlier, maybe had the limp much earlier, I think he would have been a different person from, from his young age. But he wasn't. Now he had 11 sons, two wives, and he has two slave girls. By this time, he's probably 50, 60 years old. A lot of years had passed, and the character had never developed in his life. Always manipulative. And you and I are no different. Or something happens to us. And we can come to Christ and, and really repent and, and, and God do a lot of things in our life. But we need his character. Wrong thinking. Wrong thinking was that his limp won't help him. Because most of us, if we see a deficiency or we see a weakness, we think it can't help us. Why in the world would he give me a limp? Why didn't he ask him to bless me? Why did he touch my leg and my joint in my leg and begin to make me have a, a limp that everybody's going to see? It's not a reflection of my past. It's just, it's just a bad thing that happened to me. My limp is just an embarrassment. All my life, I've, I've manipulated, I've got things because I worked my charm and I deceived a lot of people. It's amazing how we who are here can't ever see anything good come out of something that we go through that's hard. I've said this before, and when my grandpa, Virgil Whitson, was, uh, he got saved, and he gave his heart to the Lord. It was, it was a 
great day in my family. I don't remember. It was when I was real small, and, and my mom and her, her mother and sisters all were so excited about him coming to the Lord. But, but I'll never forget mom's uh, comments that he always said, if I had just done this earlier. Always before, he always had a reason why he was the way he was. But let me tell you something that really happened when Jacob had that encounter. He may have had a limp in his walk, and you may have a limp in your walk. And maybe something reflecting about how you live now. Maybe you were once known for certain things, and, and you were proud of that, but now you got something else to be proud of. Jacob was proud of his limp, because for the first time in his life, he was actually doing things correctly. And the same way can happen for you. When we have a realization, we have a wrestling match, if you will, before the Lord. And we may fight against a lot of things that torment us and a lot of things that we are frustrated with. But when we have that wrestling match, God seems to break through. We seem to have an epiphany or awakening. He was proud of his, he was proud to wear the limp. It signifies that he's something bigger than the limp. Never did he forget it. It was always there, but oh, what a relief he had knowing he had peace in his life with his wife, wives. And it reminded him of his encounter with God. And Jacob would never be the same. Never be the same. The reason I said whenever we have an altar time and if it, at the end of the service or during the beginning of the service, whenever it is, the altar is one of the most important parts of, of our church. I remember when we were designing this building, we, we, we laid it out kind of, and we said, well, we're going to make sure, well, there's some people said, you're going to leave the altars, aren't you? We have them. We also have these. The altar is not a wood bench like this. An altar is any place that you can designate a place for people to come and get things right with God and for them to humble themselves. And understand that there's a lot more to this than just humbling yourself. It's a process that God's working in your life. The most, the most precious place in His church is the altars. The tears that are shed, the lives that are changed, the hearts that are, re, that are repentful, relationships that are restored. We look at church sometimes in the wrong light and we think of church as a, as a place to have fun. I'm, I'm going to tell you this. If you just come here for, because it's a good atmosphere, and it is a good atmosphere. It is good. You don't have to be Christian. You come in here and enjoy that it's a good atmosphere. The music is good. It's just fun. Maybe the message that speaks to your heart, oh, it's good. I, 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 can, I can improve in my life. If that is as far as it goes, we're failing. Because everything that we do is promoting Jesus and about to transform your life. And that's what our altars are for. I would never get rid of altars. I'm going to get rid of a place for you to come to a place to, to, to meet with God or to have a, an awakening spiritually. Scar should only remind you of his great grace. His great grace given to us. His great grace. If you go to Isaiah chapter 6, does it sound familiar?
Isaiah chapter 6. We have a young guy by the name of Isaiah, and he had experienced some great things with God. And chapter 6 is a, is a, another one of those, those experiences. Chapter 1, verse 1, it says, And the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne high, his high throne, and his long robe filled the temple. Verse 2. Heavenly creatures, stood, heavenly creatures of fire stood above him. Each creature had six wings, and with two it covered its face, with two it covered its feet, and with two wings for flying. And each creature was calling to the others, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, is the Lord all powerful. His glory fills all the earth. Their calling called the frame around the their calling caused the frame around the door to shake as a temple filled with smoke. Oh, I said. I, oh, I said, oh no, I will be destroyed. I'm not pure. I live among people who are not pure, but I have seen the king, the Lord, are powerful. One of the heavenly creatures used a pair of tongs and from the, to take a hot coal from off the altar, and he flew into me at the hot coal in his hand, and he touched my mouth with the hot coal and said, look, your guilt is taken away because this hot coal has touched your lips. I'm going to stop here for just a second. This is a time he felt very un, 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 uh, unworthy to see and witness such a holy thing. It's just an incredible thing. And you may come here, and I have been in services, and I have been places, and, and thinking, oh, I'm too unholy. There's too many, too many blemishes in my armor, too many blemishes in how I, how I act and how I look and how I talk. And that's the same thing Isaiah was saying. He was saying all the obvious things that everybody else already knew. Then I heard the Lord's voice saying, Whom can I send? Who will go up for us? Then said, I am here, send me. There's something about them saying that. The, call of the, the angel took the call of the, of the, off the altar and touched his lips. It was a physical act that he, that he witnessed and that he, that he experienced. And he thought that made him holy. What was the coal taken off the altar and put on his lips for? To let him know that he is acceptable. As I mentioned earlier about the character, and it is developed and it is something that grows in time. Maybe here, really, you kind of stunk it up. Look at your life, look at your family, look at your past. You've known what to do, but for some reason it never happened. Different shapes, different sizes, but we all have something in us. I wonder if there's one person here that God is speaking to you. I don't mean just one person in the whole crowd. I mean one individual. For us all to look at our life and think, which one of those is me? Am I afraid to let anybody see me? If I'm, am I colorful? Am I dark? Is there a dark character? 
Is there very little character, if any, in my life? Maybe you're one in the group. When I say the group, you know what a group is. Some of you are part of a group. One in a family, one in the clique, one of the unacceptables, one of the cool ones. But I'm thinking, which one are we? Because we're all part of one of these. Which one am I? Am I, am I the one that's going to make the biggest difference in my group? Is my character going to go before me that they know what I will expect? Jacob, his character was known before he got the limp. And his character was not good. He was labeled and he always accommodated his label. He always is exactly like everybody thought he was. But something changed that day. God touched him and God revealed to him and God made him know something. Sure, he had a physical limp. I'll pick on Aaron just a little bit. Aaron, uh, Aaron Tilly. Everybody knows Aaron. See, Aaron had become had had to become a leader. Had to become a leader when nobody's family was leading. See, you have to become a leader when nobody in your family is, and nobody in your family understands you. And nobody understands the things you make decisions about. The things you do in your family as a leader, it's not about you, it's about the family. Aaron learned this a long time ago. He was beginning to get this when he worked at Sonic. And we'd go in there to get ice cream or, or Sundays or hot dogs, whatever we went out there for. And when he came out, he would just talk to my wife and I. We would talk for long periods of time. There was always something inside of him, but he didn't know that there was something else that could become in his life. He started taking something that we would talk about and other people would talk about. He began to apply that in his life and he began to develop the character that he was supposed to be, to be the leader of his family he was supposed to be. See, we all have character, but it matters what kind of character we have. Maybe God's speaking to you about being the leader of your home, being the leader of your family, being the leader of your club or, or, or your group or your clique. You're not the best speaker. It would kind of be cool, I guess, if God gave us a list. You have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do this. That sounds like a lot of, a lot of old church people giving you a list of all the do's and the don'ts that you are to become perfect and good and acceptable. God is not worried about who's the best speaker. Who's the best looking? Who's the most qualified? Who's the most experienced? He's looking for a guy who worked at Sonic and had some bad decisions in his past. Bad decisions. And he was sharing with you. 
Because look what God has done. Him and his wife, his two boys, his cousin, Billy and Diane. When one person begins to lead, it begins to have a domino effect. You and your family, if you are leading in your family, I mean leading, leading by example, by what you talk about, what you say, where you go, what you do. It's amazing what will happen in your life. Watch one person, then the next, then the next. And then you'll sit back in about three years and say, my goodness, look at all the people that have come because I've made a decision to follow Christ. And it's not about you. Don't, don't, get, don't get confused in thinking it's about how good you are. It's not. We are pathetic in our own ability. We're not righteous. If I was going to choose somebody for character, Esau had more character in some ways than what Jacob did. He would be the choice of most people comparing the two. But it's amazing when he had that encounter and he began to limp, all the dominoes fell the other way. Everybody began to admire Jacob. He already had kids. You may be 40 years old. You may be 50 years old. You may be 60 years old. And maybe it's a time that you establish something now in your character. And you'll watch the dominoes fall the other way. They've always fell this way for all your life. But now it's to create another, another part of your mind, another dimension of your life. Right man or right woman? Right man or right woman? It's developing the right godly character in your life so you can lead by example. I want you to think for just a minute. I want you to bow your heads with me. See, Egypt is... It's so in our blood or how we used to live is so indoctrinated in our thinking. We're so scarred by it. Our character has been formed because we were in bondage. You see, when you come to Christ, He begins to remove the bondage. The bondage of hatred. Bondage of lying. Bondage of manipulation. Bondage of alcohol bondage of sexual preferences bondage of drugs please bow your head with me and pray with me for just a minute if you're at a place And you see that you are the one. God is laying on your heart. God is tugging on your heart. God is wrestling with you even while you're sitting there. Something's got to give. Something's got to change. Father, by your Holy Spirit, touch people's lives that no man, no words, No song, 
No atmosphere, nothing can touch but only you. You can reach down and just touch a person's heart and help them to understand that they need you. They need a real relationship with you. They need a change. If you're here, you may be a believer. You've never taken the leadership you should take. You may not even know who Jesus is. You've, you know all about him. You've always been in church, but you've never given your heart to him. But you need to now. If something in your life is holding you back, and your family is not becoming, your, your influence is not becoming greater, greater, 